Welcome to the Ringer Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to godly marriages and the trials we all face. Our goal here is to strengthen, encourage, and educate through the personal experiences we've gained in our 15 years of difficult bliss. We aren't licensed counselors or pastors, but we are experts on just about everything your relationship can weather. We've been through the Ringer, and we're still standing. So we had a different idea about our second episode, and it just hit us after we recorded our second episode. Right. So this is actually going to be our true second episode. It's recorded third. Let's just make this a little bit confusing, but it has to be said. We have to do this first, or nothing's going to make sense. Right. And we we basically want to just take a few minutes and tell you guys about the Ringer we've been through over the past 15 years. I know we've alluded to it a couple of times, especially in the first episode. Yeah, but by sharing our story with all of you, uh, you'll have a much, much better understanding of where we're coming from when we do go through the episodes from here on out. And you'll be able to see that we have learned, and there there's a reason we've learned. There's several reasons we've learned so should we jump in with both feet? Or? Yeah, let's let's uh, let's do it. Okay, so we talked about my dad dying. That was uh, let's just call them all trials. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. So are you pulling your list up? Yeah, I was. That's what I was doing. Okay. So he has a list written because we've been through so many things that we tend to forget that even what is minor to us now by our standards mm-hmm. could be huge to you. So, and we forget them. Yeah, the list, my list actually, or our list, actually started before we met. Uh, As I mentioned on our first podcast, I was married for five years, uh, you know, obviously before I got divorced and met Jessica, uh, but our divorce ended because of infidelity on her part. And um, I know that that's a very, very common thing in today's society with married couples, uh, and so even though Jessica hasn't dealt with that directly, I have. Um, and it affected me. Oh, yeah. It, it definitely did because when we, when we got married, I had, uh, I had a ton of negative baggage and trust issues. And Understandably. Whatnot, uh, because of what I'd recently gone through. Now, in 2003, that's when we did get married. Uh, that's that's when we met too. Met, it, married, it, as you know. Um, got pregnant. Got pregnant, yeah. After the marriage. Right, three months after we were married, she got pregnant. Um, and I know that doesn't seem like a big deal, but when you have only known your spouse for six months, right, it's crazy. And now you're carrying his child. Yeah, and especially when he wasn't. Um, Kid friendly? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not like we sat down and said, hey, um, you ready to have a baby? Well, kind of. We did. I had been told that I was going or not going to be able to have children when I was a teenager. And so I had gotten to the point where I didn't care if I had kids. Mm-hmm. You know, back and forth. Yes, no. But I met you and I'm like, I want to have kids. I don't know the science behind it. I don't understand it. But it's, it's trickery. Your body... Decides it won't. Girls, could you not fight every episode we record? Hello. Stop. That's our dogs, not our children. Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, I got, I decided that yes, yes, I want to have his children. And he said, okay. Had never been around any babies. Ever. We had been around my niece, who was a few months old. Mm -hmm. 
Well, he meant, but I mean, he just, he held her. Yeah, that, that, that was pretty much the only, the crop uh, of it. that was the only experience I had had. So, we uh, decided that it may take a little while, so we stopped any kind of prevention, right. and hey, guess what? Yeah. Holy cow. Even for me, that was way too quick. Yeah, it was, it was, it shocked me. Yeah, Absolutely. and I was scared to death. Yeah, she was scared to tell me because she had no idea what my reaction would be. Oh, it wasn't bad, though. No. You were good. Yeah. We both, well, we went through the nine months. We're like, dude, we got nine months. We can do this. Right. We can get used to the idea that we're going to have three of us. Right. And then she was born, and then she was so colicky. Oh, she was horrible. This is trial number two. Yeah. I guess from birth and conception to here, but... Her colic was so bad, and I'm not the medicine mama. Right. I didn't want any prevention, uh, or I mean, uh, prevention twice already in two seconds. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want anything medicinal, medicinal in right. my brand new baby. But she had to have medicine. It was so bad. Yeah, because I would have gone to jail for yeah. disposing of a child. It was so bad, though. It was horrible. So awful. And she still today has issues with colic yeah i mean if she doesn't cry constantly well she might and since uh you know since one kid uh you know getting pregnant three months after we were married uh we didn't feel like that was quite enough and so when our I'm first for a challenge yeah when our first child was nine months old then you know poof you were pregnant again the thing was we had just spoken about oh we yeah i was done because she was so bad yeah she was and she's as far as I was concerned, she was perfect and plenty. Right. But then Rusty says, but she's already spoiled <laughs> by my parents. And I agreed. Mm -hmm. So um, we spoke about baby two and yeah. it happened. Right. And, and just breathe. That's how good we are. Holy cow. Yeah. Breathe her into existence. Pretty much. And number one was only nine months old and had just started standing, pulling up, right. getting into the refrigerator by herself, climbing mm -hmm. on top of the furniture. Yeah. <sighs> so the challenge was not to let one die yeah. while caring for the other. Yeah, one other thing to mention about our first child was for the first two years of her life, she had to be held <laughs> constantly. <laughs> See, I, I really did wear her for five months straight. Yeah. If it wasn't nighttime, she was strapped to my body. Yeah. And this isn't a plug for a snuggly, but that's how we survived. That is the only way we survived. Uh, Baby two didn't care. Oh, no, no. She was, I mean, if you just laid her down and let her sleep, everything was good. Yeah. Don't feed her baby food, but right. everything else perfect just as most of you know i mean when you have two kids they're they're typically polar opposites of each other and god did that on purpose yeah though. that was same way with number us. one would not be here right <laughs> well in uh in 2005 our second daughter was born <clears throat> and uh seven weeks later seven weeks later my mom passed away from lung cancer we found out she was terminal right after number one's birth first birthday mm -hmm. and we knew that it would be pretty quick yeah we didn't really know how long but the i mean the doctor gave us you know a diagnosis of you know it could be two months could be six months 
Uh, it was pretty quick. Yeah, it was. It, it was from August until March. Yeah, August of 05 until March of 06. She passed away in March of 06. So, number two shares her birthday. We were lucky enough to be able to choose the birthday because it was a repeat C-section. Right. You know, added fun to those births that were so quickly together. Mm-hmm. But we were able to have her on his mom's birthday, which made it a lot more special and a little easier on me mm-hmm. on, as far as losing Kathy. Yeah. You know, one huge trial that we did go through while all of this was going on. Because <laughs> we didn't have enough on our plates. Right, right. Was I... Um... Go ahead. I'm trying to think where to start. 2004. 2004, I had back pain. I had hurt my back at work, and I came home and, uh, you know, took ibuprofen and whatnot, and nothing really did anything for the pain. And so uh, Jessica ended up giving me a uh, Lortab, which is a narcotic pain pill that she had had from from a surgery. And she... I mean, from number one C-section. Right. I've got to quit saying their names. Yeah. And, and she, uh, Jessica told me, she said, you know, if, if these make you feel good, I'm going to throw them all away. I'm going to get rid of them. And you have to tell me. Yeah. And he never had anything stronger than a Tylenol. Right. Coating. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I took it and my body reacted very, very positively to it. Uh, and so that, I didn't have a problem then, but fast forward to when my mom was diagnosed with cancer just a short time later, uh, they... She was in hospice care uh, pretty much immediately after her diagnosis. And once hospice kicked in, they started bringing just boatloads of pain medicine uh, to her house. And I was over there one time shortly after her diagnosis. And uh, her her main pain medicine was uh, oxycodone. Time release. Time release. 12 hour oxycodone. That's, that's the strongest they will allow. It's the strongest pain medicine. Right. And so I was, uh, I was in their bathroom. Oral. oral pain medicine. Right. I was in their bathroom and I saw this, uh, this bottle of pills. And I mean, it, it had, it had to be 500 or more pills in there and took one, popped it in my mouth. And about 10 minutes later, I started feeling terrific. And the the sorrow I had for my mom almost instantly vanished and so when that uh so I just got a handful of them stuck them in my pocket and I thought well hey these are great because you know they they make me not sad and they also made you not feel anything else right right and of course I didn't know all of this at the time Uh, I didn't know either because I didn't know if your lack of emotion right. was due to two children mm-hmm. or your mom being sick right. or something else. So I got hooked on these things. And as long as my mom was alive, you know, they kept bringing the pain medicine. And uh, so when she, uh, I mean, I, I stayed on them the whole time yes. she was sick. And when she passed away, hospice took away all of the medicine and... You know, so all of a sudden I was... Your dealer was gone. My dealer was gone. I was high and dry, and I went through withdrawals. Uh, it wasn't pretty. It didn't last long. It wasn't fun. No. But it was enough to keep you, I thought, Yeah. clean. Right. Because you're not the kind to 
wish things on yourself like this. Right. So after that episode, uh, and again, that episode was... It was over in March, April, April yeah. of 2006. Six, right. Uh, well, after that, things seemed to be going fine, and then lo and behold, I got a kidney stone. And I went to the went to the doctor and I mean I don't know if you've ever had a kidney stone or not but it was the absolute worst pain I'd ever experienced in my life let's just note that this was the first and the last you've ever had yeah I just realized that we've never had another trouble with that yeah odd yeah well I was taking cholesterol medication and drinking two mellow yellows a day so I didn't know about you also kept the mellow yellow from me yeah you know that's cardinal sin right there absolutely would have been sun drop had we lived in Tennessee yes at the time. But I had this kidney stone, and the physician prescribed uh, narcotic pain medicine again. and Against my wishes. Right. And we had it filled because he knew I was going to have to pass this stone, or these stones actually had five in there. They were big. But I started taking these pain pills again, and, you know, the feeling came back of, all, you know, I didn't have any worries. Everything was cool. Everything was great. Um, and I knew... I knew I had a problem, but I couldn't stop because when I stopped, my body would immediately go into these pretty severe withdrawals. You would think that I would have picked up on it again. Right. But I had so much going on with the two kids and trying to maintain them Mm -hmm. and also maintain a house while you were at work. I mean, my attention was not there. Right. I should have noticed but I did not. Right. Go ahead. Well, when, uh, when my script ran out, I thought, you know, I've got to do something to get more pain medicine because, again, my body's going into withdrawals. Our dogs are eating in the background in case you <laughs> don't notice that. Crunch, crunch. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so I got the bright idea of writing my own prescriptions, and I generated prescriptions on our computer it had matched the one that was hand back back then they would hand you a prescription yeah with no security features on it it's stupid it was just a computer printout but that's how it was done and it made things extremely easy for you to be underhanded right so anyway so i i would just uh pretty much pharmacy shop and just went to five six seven different pharmacies in the area he never came home late he i mean we kept in constant contact all day yeah I had no reason to suspect you right. doing this. And it was so easy for me. Uh, we, we, I worked at a business that I owned or co-owned with my parents, and so I could leave whenever I wanted. And so it was nothing for me to just leave for an hour and go get a script filled and come back to work. And no. nobody would even know. But uh, that kept going until 2007. And in 2007... I had come home from work one day for lunch. March seventh, two thousand seven. <laughs> that's right. It always everything always happens in March. That's right. Why the Ides of March? Yeah. are real. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, I guess so. I came home for lunch, and Jessica was obviously there with the girls, and the telephone rang, and the caller ID uh, said Robertsdale PD, Robertsdale Police Department. I thought it was something to do with a shoplifter. Right. At our store. Right. I knew exactly what it was. And so, you know, my brain's going a million miles an hour trying to figure out how I'm going to explain this away and try and get out of this. He walked out to the porch. So I didn't notice this. Yeah. I'm I'm feeding two kids. So I walked out to the porch and the, the conversation 
basically went, you know, hey, this is Detective so-and-so. Uh, we know you've been writing fake prescriptions, uh, and we're on our way to your house right now. And, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm standing there on the porch thinking, holy cow, what am I going to do? And, I mean, the the police are going to be here in a matter of minutes. And my wife and two kids are inside. And so the police arrived. I was still outside. You wait on a rescue because it's not going to happen. That's right. And so I came in. Police were behind me. Uh, Fortunately, they were in, like, Street, plain clothes, plain clothes were, yeah. They, I mean, our girls wouldn't have known anyway. They were tiny. Yeah, they were one and two. Yeah. Uh, but I came in, and I immediately walked up to Jessica, and I said, hey, look, I've been forging prescriptions for pain pills. Just like that. Yeah. Just like, front door, there I am, he says it, just like that. That's right. And I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Fortunately, the the officers were, uh, they were cordial, and they said, hey, look, um, you know, your wife and kids are here. We're not going to cuff you. We're not going to. Yeah. Uh, and so I just, you know, they just had me get in the back of their SUV. They let you, t- actually, they let you walk the girls upstairs with me. Yeah. To lay them down for a nap. Right. As they took our computer. Yeah. And the girls slept from the minute you walked out the door until the minute you walked back in the house. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's yeah, a quick, that quick, quick story of what happened in that time period was I went to the police station they put me in an office and started a tape recorder and questioned me for about an hour. And yeah, I told them, I just came clean. I had no reason to lie. Uh, and I told them, hey, I'm, I'm hooked on these pills. I had to get them. I'd go through withdrawals if I didn't have them. Uh, they asked me if I, were, if I was selling them. And I said, you know, heck no, they're too valuable. I need them. And so they, um, they ended up uh, cuffing my ankles and wrists and putting me in a van and taking me about 30 miles away to the county jail. And they booked me in the county jail. And I, uh, I was able to call my dad and- I called your dad too. Or, yeah, and he came up there and you bailed me that. out. And that was a really, really awkward ride home. He was, he was your call. He was your one call. Yeah. Not me, because I couldn't do anything. Yeah. But he called his dad, I called his dad. And I was so scared to go home because I had no idea what was waiting for me when I got home. Didn't you call me on the way home? I don't because remember. Because I remember, I, all I remember saying, and I know I said it aloud, so I don't know if I said it to you or your dad, was just come home. Yeah. Just come home. Yeah. And I remember I fixed the girls' macaroni and cheese. That was never a norm for us. But yeah. I had to do something that kept them satisfied. You walked in the door exactly at the same time you would have gotten home from work Mm -hmm. not that they could tell the difference right right but it was to me it was protection Mm -hmm. from for them for what was going on in their home and you walked in and we we the first thing i did was hug you because it was that hard right what are you looking at just looking at the time okay you're making me nervous yeah but anyway we went about our night like it was just a regular night, and we put them down, and that's when we sat on the porch for hours Yeah. and talked. What the, the things we should have said before we right. got this far. Right. But there's a reason God brought us there. And, then, and, and also, after that, I went through the withdrawals again. Again. They weren't, they, honestly, they weren't terrible. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't too bad. And so, I, I, my punishment for that whole 
prescription thing, I was so fortunate because I could have, uh, I mean, those were federal crimes. Yeah. And I would have really gone to like real prison. And I knew that. For that. So I was scared to death. And fortunately, by the grace of God, because I had a completely clean record, uh, my punishment was three years of probation, of which one was supervised, where I had to check in with a probation officer once a month and do a urine test and uh, all that. So, again, that was 2007. 2008, uh, I mean, I got past that. Uh-huh. Everything was fine. Yep. 2008, we had decided to move Wait, from... Wait, you've missed a whole big story. What? In March, on March 13th of 2008. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The girls and I were home, and we were we had this big plan to play outside all day because it was warm for the first time. I'm going to tell a short version of this story today okay. because it's it's a very it's just as big as the the one we just told you, but and it deserves its own hour. But I'm going to go short today because it's there's there's so much detail in this one, and I think this has a this this one story has so much of God wrapped into it that mm-hmm. I don't want oh, yeah. to oh yeah ignore that yeah. But this is what happened. The girls and I were outside playing. They were playing in the backyard. I was cleaning out the flower beds. It was the first warm day of spring in that year. And they, they were big enough to run in the yard. I mean, I had no reason not to trust them. Right. We had a pool. Yeah, had an in-ground pool. And both girls had those, not even the power wheels. They were small. Number one, right. had a bigger power wheels yeah but they both had little electric four-wheelers i mean they went like the the youngest our youngest four-wheeler went like maybe maybe three miles an hour i mean i could walk faster but they uh they like to ride in circles around our house we had a huge yard number two could she really couldn't control hers and she she had never shown any interest after she got it for christmas right and she was playing on the swing set so i'd go from the front yard to the backyard which was a a pretty good gap Mm mm-hmm because we had a, a couple acres out there. But I would go, every now and then I would go and check in on them. They were fine. They were usually eating mulch, mm-hmm. digging in the dirt somewhere, playing on the, the swing set. And at, for some reason, one of those times, something hit me that I need to go check on the girls. They'd been, or the number one had been riding her, um, four, her four-wheeler around the house and around and around, and she stopped. And I knew it was kind of quiet. So I went around the side of the house and number one met me by the garage doors and she told me they're in the water. And I said, who's in the water? And from where I was standing, our pool was sort of on a hill. So you had, you really couldn't see into the pool, but I looked over and I saw the four wheelers wheels mm-hmm. in the air. It was in, they were in the water, but you could see them. And I sprinted and I found number two face up in the pool, but she was completely dead. Mm-hmm. There was no question. You say she was on the bottom? No, she had gone to the bottom. She okay. was, she had completely expelled every bit of air. Okay. And then she was laying face up. So she had ridden her four wheeler into the pool without me knowing, without mm-hmm. me hearing a thing. We didn't have an alarm. And yes, we learned lessons. I don't want to hear it. She had ridden this thing into the pool because she couldn't steer it. Mm-hmm. And she was the one that followed every rule. 
still to this day. Yeah. So there was no reason for me to even think she did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Got out there and she was purple and completely doubled in size. And so I jumped into the freezing water and pulled her out and called night. I mean, just seriously, I cannot get into all the details. There's so many that happened right here, but I had number one, go get the phone and the house. This is, this took probably 10 minutes total. Mm -hmm. And she found it inside of our house somehow, somehow she got in the house, seriously. Came back out, 911, I was talking to the girl Somehow, I resuscitated my baby. Yeah, there's no telling how long <clears throat> how long she had been clinically dead. Not, not at all. She no had heartbeat. no pulse. She no. had no breathing. Right. And I, I knew CPR. I'd learned it as a kid. And I knew how to use it, but it wasn't working. I had cleared her airways before I even attempted it. Still didn't work. And so, at the very last second, I felt, I felt like it was like my last ditch, but I squeezed her from, I squeezed her feet to her forehead, like doubled her up, and she gushed out so much garbage from her stomach and her lungs, Mm -hmm. and I knew then, I knew that she was clean, and I breathed for her, and she, she coughed, and then she cried. And then that's when EMS show up. And that was the most beautiful sound you'd ever heard. Ever. And in the middle of that, I mean, I had screamed and screamed and screamed for help. And for some reason, no one was home for the first time ever living in that neighborhood. And I, I finally yelled at God. And I said, where are you? And I audibly heard him say, call on me. And so I did. And I said, I asked him, please help me. Finally, I asked him and not for our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I know had a profound effect on the situation. Oh, yeah. So after all that, that's when she came back. And, you know, after a a child's been gone for so long, no oxygen to the brain, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if their lungs are going to work right. Right. We We got to take a helicopter ride to Pensacola. Yeah. And we get there, and by the time we make it, uh, somehow, again, I was allowed on the helicopter, which is not heard of. Mm-hmm. Your parents, no matter what, there's not room, and they have to follow a weight limit. So, somehow, I was in the right seat of this helicopter, and was telling the guy in the back how to do his job, and he was saying, yes, ma'am. And when I got to the hospital with her... She was on that gurney standing up and screaming for me to pick her up because she was not having it. Yeah. We, she gets into triage, and the doctor goes in to see her, and he's in there, I don't know, you weren't there yet, right. were you? He was in there maybe five minutes. And he came out, and he goes, you saved her, Mom. And I said, is she okay? And he goes, go look. And I went in there, and she was absolutely <laughs> just fine. She was mad as a hornet. She had tons of water in her tummy. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly how many cc's they removed, but it was astronomical for yeah. a two-year-old baby. And by the way, I still get choked up thinking about this. Yeah, my eyes are watering. He right wasn't now. home. He was at work, and so he missed all the fun. But I had the girl that was on the nine one one call. She, uh, I asked her her name. I think her name was Christina. 
I'd love to have those tapes. Yeah. But I said, can you call my husband? Yeah. We had no signal for cell phones. And there was no way I could have uh, anybody call in right. the yard. Right. And she said, let me call him. Yeah. She also, I didn't know his truck tags, but I said, he's coming back from Foley. He's going to be flying. Let him pass. Yeah. And she said, absolutely. And so if you saw any cops on the way, they knew about you and they were not going to get in your way. All I saw was blurs. Yeah. He made it back to where we left with the helicopter. We were on a softball field. I drove back faster than I've flown planes before. Absolutely have. Yeah, you got there. Seriously. And I don't know how quick. Yeah. But by the time we got from our house to the softball field, you were there. Yeah. And that was like five minutes. I was going to say, I made about a 25-minute trip in probably about eight minutes. Yeah, we spent the night in the hospital. And the whole time we were there, we had interns and residents and doctors from other departments come in. And I I honestly thought they were just coming in to check on her. But no, they all came in to see the miracle. Yeah. And I I knew because I'd grown up with a family full of medical professionals that, you know, a brain cannot sustain a lack of oxygen mm-hmm. for that, for an extended amount of time. But they said that the pool water probably had quite a bit to do with her. Yeah, the temperature being cold. Her brain not short-circuiting. Yeah. If there's anything, any residual thing, it's probably that her memory's the worst I've ever known. Yeah, that's true. That's well, true. as far as like mundane things, she can do some math. Yeah, but that that was uh, two thousand eight, March two thousand eight. She's fine. She was fine the day after. Mm-hmm. Should I tell them about your mom, or should we save it for the big one? We'll save it. Okay, we'll we're going to save that. Yeah, we got another story for you. Well, it's not a trial, but it's no, but it's, it's part a of the story. story, and yeah. I'm going to explode this story out. And I'll let y'all know. We'll call it number two story or something. Right. Right. Well. Um, <clears throat> So yeah, after that, that episode, March. yeah, after that episode in March, we decided let's move to Tennessee. We're going to move to Tennessee and open up our own business, which was a carbon copy of the business that my parents and I opened in Alabama. To be honest, we had first of all, I had the guilt from what had just transpired. He had the shame of what had happened the year before, mm-hmm. and all that together, we knew we needed a new beginning. Right. So we moved to Tennessee. Pretty much by ourselves. Yeah, by ourselves. <clears throat> and we took out a loan for sixty thousand dollars, and we said, "Okay, this sixty thousand has to get us a house, mm-hmm. it has to pay our living expenses, it has to find a building, it has to pay payroll, pay payroll, you know, all and the get stuff, merchandise. right? All the stuff associated with opening a business." And so we moved here to Tennessee, and. Uh, I mean, thing, things were going well. I mean, we found a building and... and going along pretty quick. Yeah, but our money was starting to dwindle. And I started stressing out pretty bad about everything. And um, before we opened our store in October of 2008, I had gone back to Alabama by myself to get some more stuff for the store. I don't remember, don't shopping remember. carts or whatever it was. It was a trip alone, though. Yeah, so... I went down there, and while I was down there, I met up with a guy I knew down there, and I was, I was just crazy stressed out. I said, "Hey, dude, do you have any pills? I could definitely use them to just to chill and not worry about things." And he said, "No, I don't, but I do have fentanyl patches." And I said, "Well, I've never done that, but you know, if it's narcotic, I'm, I'm sure." Cool. We'll, yeah, 
And so he he hooked me up with, uh, you know, five or ten patches. I don't know how many. And so I started using those, and I came back home. And all of a sudden, I'm back in the same rut. I'm back in the drug addiction rut. And I did that for about a month. It didn't take you long. No. And I finally, totally by the grace of God, um, I told myself, I don't want to go through this again. I don't want to lose my wife and my kids uh, and ruin everyone's lives. And we just started over. Yeah. And just started over. And so uh, and so I just kind of bit the bullet and uh, I went to Jessica and I said, hey, look, I got into this again. And I need professional help. I wish y'all could have seen my face that day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't have a very um, friendly face to begin with. Right. That. Oh god. Yeah. But I I visited an addiction specialist, and uh, that was 2008, and that's the last. That's the last time I've been clean since then. And thank God. Yeah. So, uh, so drug addiction, child death, drug addiction again, um, that, that okay. cleared up. Then. <laughs> yeah. And I, Hey, yeah, we're just in the beginning here. Holiday. We're just in the beginning here. Oh, so we did really well. Yeah. We Our g- store took off way more than we expected. Oh yeah. The store just went gangbusters. Just took off like a rocket. We were making money hand over fist. We had ne- she and I both grew up. With not much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not... We had what we needed. Not poverty, but we had what we needed. And nothing extra. Exactly. Exactly. But when we opened the store, we were making ungodly amounts of money. Yeah. Um, I mean, to the, you know, to the tune of, of, I mean, like net profits of like 50000 a month. Yeah, fifteen sixty. Yeah, a month. I still cannot believe that. I know. I mean, it was it was to the point where we were paying two and three hundred thousand dollars in oh. taxes, just income taxes. Speaking of taxes, yeah, right. So, what year did that take place? That was two thousand nine and ten, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, in uh, in fact, the store did so well that in uh, the end of two thousand nine, beginning of two thousand ten, we get a letter from the IRS. They don't send you um, Christmas cards. No, no, and it's not fan mail or anything no. like that. And so I opened the letter, and it said, uh, "You've been randomly, and I'm throwing up air quotes yes. here. Yeah, you've been ahead. randomly selected for an IRS audit." Full. And yeah, I didn't really know what that meant. I mean, I knew that they'd be combing through our stuff, but I didn't know how you know how thorough they are but they spent the next six months going through pretty much every piece of paper our uh, accountant had worked for them yes before he had opened his own place right and so we called him first mm-hmm. panicking what do we do we had done well, I can't, we had no control over our books period right he did yeah remotely mm-hmm. and I mean they reconciled everything so the last word on our books he made yeah. every single month and it, it was that way forever so we're like what do we do yeah and he said don't talk to him yeah I mean they should IRS agents showed up at our business I still know his name and he still lives in town and if we I, uh-uh. we had taken our our children to school and we were on our way to the store so our normal routine was take them to school and 
go to the store, get everything started. Work. Right, and so we're all, we dropped them off at school. We were on our way to the store, and my phone rang, and it was our store manager. <laughs> and I thought, why in the world's he calling me? And said hello, and he said, hey, um, there's a uh, two gentlemen here from the IRS uh, that need to talk to you. <laughs> and you know, I'm freaking out yeah. because I'm thinking, you know, I know I haven't done anything wrong, but I'm going to prison Pretty today. Sure we stopped in the middle of the road and just sat there. Yeah. And I said, all right, hold up just a second. So I called our accountant who lived in Alabama, lives in Alabama, said, hey, what's going on? He said, do not, do not go back to your store. He said, tell your manager to tell these two guys you do not have an appointment. And if, you know, if uh, if they need to talk to you to make an appointment. Does anyone else feel like we're about to be arrested? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I definitely. Again, it makes you question every single thing right i cannot tell you how stressful this audit was and you know i'm spending two dollars on a pack of gum i'm like is this allowed is yeah. this legal right i didn't write it off right so that alone for six months i that was so hard mm -hmm. because we had always been so upright until the whole drug thing but right whatever. right even after that though we watched our p's and q's and so when a government Entity, yeah. is that what they are? Comes and wants to speak to you. Or as they say on commercials, the most most powerful uh, debt collection agency in the world. Yeah. And yeah, uh, they still really, really don't like us. No, no. But the feeling's mutual, so Love that's them. good. At least we're in agreement. Yeah, but the six months went by, and we finally received a letter from the IRS that said... You know, we finished the audit, and there are zero corrections. When we asked while we had gone through this, the strange excuse of, well, you're doing better than other businesses like yours in town. That's weird, because we were the only business like this in right, town. Right, right. And, and speaking of our business, the way it worked, in 2002, yeah. my dad secured a contract with the probably the world's biggest retailer, from Arkansas. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. And uh, he was able to buy truckloads of their box-damaged merchandise for, I mean, literally pennies on the dollar. And it was a it was a godsend. It was a gold mine. It's a win-win for both of us. Oh, yeah. Because this company got rid of their salvage merchandise, and we made a fortune. Well, they lost money before us. Right. I mean, they had someone else that took it, but they had so much. Yeah. So we survived on this from your dad got that contract in 2002. 2002. And so this is 2000. When did this happen? 10? Yeah. 2010. So eight years. Yeah. So, so we had, we had opened our store in Tennessee in 2008. It had been trucking along like crazy, just doing really, really well. And 2010, our supplier uh, contacted us and said, hey, um, we need uh, Jim, who was my father, we need Jim to come to Bentonville or to, to come to our home offices so we can talk. And we had heard prior to that that the other person getting these loads, uh, they weren't in very good favor with, with, the, with the company. With the company. And so all of us and our family thought they were going to cut those people out of the loop and give us the exclusive contract. All of it. And so we were we were pretty fired up. Couldn't wait for my dad to get up there and meet with him. And 
he went up there and met and I was I remember very very distinctly I was sitting at home and my phone rang and it was him and I thought finally and I answered it and he said all right you sitting down and I'm like oh yeah I am go ahead and he said they just took her contract away from us you know record scratch (laughs) what they took our contract away and he said, we can still get the merchandise, but we have to start buying it through a third party. That was after I I, I wrote that letter. Yeah. The CEO's husband, or right. sorry, CEO's wife, demanding we treat it fairly. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you just have to write a letter. Yeah. And that, before that, though, they were just like, see y'all, yeah. peace. Right. And we were left out there to try and figure out what in the world are we going to do? Yeah. We were two years into a five-year lease. Yeah. Thinking, what, how's this going to work? So they they allowed us to continue buying merchandise through a third party, uh, which was not, I mean, it worked for a little while, but the. Then they lost their contract. The price price of our loads continued to go up and the quality just exponentially went down. And. That trend started in 2010, and today is still that way. Oh, yeah. It just gets worse and worse and more expensive. Good grief. Right. So by, uh, you know, by 2015, uh, we were already seeing a noticeable difference. We had, we ended up having to move locations in town just right. because we were asked to, and it was a huge building. Which was another story in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe on finance day, I don't know. Yeah. We're, well, basically we were forced out of the, out of the building we had had for the past seven or eight seven years, years and forced to go from uh, from that building to a building three times larger. So three times everything as far as expenses go. Yeah. And you're out. Right. So we were there from, when did we open that? February? I think so, February. And we were done there in December. Yeah, December. We, yeah, December we had to close the doors. Christmas um, Eve. Right. Was it? Yeah. And something else that I think is fairly important here is... Since Jessica and I both grew up without much, we knew when we started making good money in 2008, uh, we knew that that money came from God. And we knew that it was not our job to line our pockets and live lives of luxury. Yeah. And so we decided, basically up front when we opened the business and saw that it was doing well, we said, hey, you know, let's, let's be very intentional with this money and let's help as many people as we can. And so from 2008 to 2015, we didn't save no, money. No, we did a few little investments here and there. We we actually bought a piece of property that we now live on Yeah. that we got for a steal. Yeah. And it, just investments like that. Yeah. We, we put things back for the kids' college. But yeah, but as far as, as far as actual savings, we didn't. No savings. Uh, we, because giving, and, and just about all of our giving was anonymous, but it still brought us so much joy just to help yeah. help other people. And so from 2008 to 2015, we gave away all of our excess. Yeah. Everything we didn't need to survive, we gave it away. We didn't do without anything, though. No, no, no. I mean, we lived very well. Yeah. We purchased everything we had with cash. Yeah. Anything extra over a mortgage, we purchased with cash. Right. And that we didn't have to do anything else. Well, this was all being taken away from us yeah little a little at a time starting in 2010 god started pulling it all away mm-hmm. every single bit of it yeah 
So in 2015, December, we, I would say then is when we started going without an actual income. Yeah, it wasn't, really, it wasn't until about the summer of 2015 Mm -hmm. when things started falling apart. Yeah, definitely in the summer Mm -hmm. is when we started paying to keep the store open. Right. Which was normally our busiest time of the year between summer and Christmas. But... You know, the summer of 2015, you know, July, August. It was an immediate after Memorial Day. Yeah. Died. Yeah. Complete death. Yeah, it just, like, the bottom fell out of it. So, we ended up closing the doors in December of 2015. Tried a couple other little locations that were bad ideas. And yeah, And left very. us with leases we had to fulfill. Right. Stupid mistakes. Yeah, just, just dumb, dumb stuff on our... We took care of people before our family. Before right. we took care of ourselves. Right. And this, I mean, this is after we closed the store. Yeah, yeah. We we still had we still had enough to be comfortable without being scared. Right. We also had invested in beachfront property mm-hmm. in Florida, and we sold it. Yeah. And we took the profits and paid everything off. We were debt free. Completely so debt free, other than our mortgage. We were good, but y'all, I just cannot tell you how stupid this store made us. Mm-hmm. We would. We didn't go prayerfully. We did. I will that, take that back. We did pray about should we keep trying this and keep trying this. And we never had a solid don't yeah. as far as I can tell. Yeah. Or we would not have done. We would and we definitely that. didn't have a solid confirmation to do it. No, we didn't have either one. So it was like, okay, here we go. Yeah. So we tried again one last time. Yeah, and our, our like she said, we uh, you know we sold our beach property in Florida, and we took the money from that, the profits from that, and completely got out of debt other than our mortgage, and had more than enough to open another business or two. The same same store, right? Again, and so the the only the only holdup was we were waiting on a building to be built, and in the meantime, we had decided to open two different types of stores mm-hmm. one that had been successful and then another one that that we we're should kind of, have been yeah should have been but the building took about two years longer than we were told anticipation it would take and so you know during this two years we kept being told by the the landlord slash builder hey about you know two more weeks two more weeks hang in there two more weeks it's almost done oh, and and that went on for a year and a half or so and so all the money we had saved up to use to open these stores. We had to spend it on living expenses and you know tuition and, okay, and kids. We have one kid that can't see anything. Right. So her glasses alone are like seven hundred dollars a year. So by the time the store, by the time the building was ready uh, for us to move in, we were completely broke, and so we had to go to the bank and take out a second and third mortgage on our home. Uh, we maxed out our credit cards. For the businesses. For the businesses. We never used a credit card except for like subscriptions. Yeah. Because we didn't want to use our debit card online. Right. We still don't like that. Right. But the um, credit cards, we ended up using them. Yeah. And that was disgusting. I hated that part of it. And so everything on our credit card had nothing to do with anything you and I did personally. Right. It was all business related. Every single thing. Yeah. So we opened up the businesses in 2017. And the the first business that we had had so much success with, uh, you know, it had been gone for two years. Mm-hmm. 
because we didn't have a building. And when we opened back up, this town had probably tripled in size. And no one knew who we were. No No one, one, there was no loyalty like there had been because there were so many new people. Right. We saw old faces, but you can't survive off old faces. Right. So we, uh, long story short, we opened two businesses in 2017. And February of 2018 of this year, we closed the former successful one. And in May of this year, we closed the other business. Yes. So we were looking once again at no income and a mountain of debt. I mean, a ton of debt. Not just a little bit, but like, what now? Yeah. This, this is insurmountable. Right. Also, last year, two um, awesome surprises, two fantastic lawsuits that name us personally. Right. And not business. They're... Those are bad. Those are still... We we got hit with two half million dollar lawsuits against us for... And, and both of them... Uh, I mean, you guys know by now we're honest with you and we're going to tell you what's up. But both lawsuits really had nothing to do with us. They're both out of our hands. Yeah. But you have to defend yourself. Right. And defending yourself, even though you you have pieces of paper that tell that you're telling the truth... You still have to present them in court, and you still have to be able to afford an attorney right. to present those in court on your behalf. And so, between the two lawsuits, we were looking at anywhere from sixty to eighty thousand dollars in legal fees just to defend uh, ourselves. Yeah, even though we've given proof. And so, when you have no income and a million bucks in debt and two children and two children and two half million dollar lawsuits against you let's again say that's business debt yeah that's not personal debt right so well none of our debt's personal debt. i know that that's uh, why it just makes me want to puke right um but when all that adds up you have nowhere to go you have nowhere to go what i what we did to try and somehow crawl out of this mess was in the spring of this year we purchased a dump truck it's glamorous it's glamorous you know i went from flying jets to driving a dump truck and uh so that's you know i've been driving a dump truck for the past six months or so and that was honestly a grace yes because it is i don't know how we got financing for it i don't either and I don't even, I mean, we had a friend who mentioned it. So Rusty decided, I'm going to look that up. Yeah. I can drive a truck. Well, we had no other options. Right. But we had the gumption to do it. Right. Thank God. I don't really, it has come through. Right. And that's that's what we're living off of. Yeah, that, yeah that's our entire income right now. Um you know, one other, so, so as you can see, we've had pretty full plates the entire time we've been married. Uh, you know, we mentioned in our first podcast that her father passed away 11 days after I met him. Uh, we just mentioned that my mom passed away in 2006. And my dad, you know, when my mom passed away, I felt so sorry for my dad. So sad. Yes. Every time I saw him. That he was alone. And he eventually remarried. And, uh, he remarried my aunt. Yeah, that's kind of a weird 
situation. Rusty and I were cousins. Yeah. For we a while. Wife, man and wife and cousins. And Papa was our uncle. Yeah, he was like Uncle Dad or something. Um, Daddy Rust, Daddy cousin Rusty. Right. What? But his his second wife, the wife he remarried, she ended up being diagnosed with cancer and passing away as well. Yeah. And so now my dad had two former wives, both had passed away with cancer. And I thought, God, what else can go wrong? Don't ever do Don't that. ask that. It, oh my do not never. ask that. And so a couple months ago, my dad was living in Alabama and planning to move to Arkansas. He'd already purchased a house. Yeah, he, he'd gone up there and purchased a home. And he was getting ready to move all his stuff up there. And again, this was a couple months ago. And he, he was in the bathroom and he slipped and fell and hurt his elbow and hurt his back. And so he was taken to the hospital, and my sister, who lives in Arkansas, went down to to check on him and kind of help him out. And when he was in the hospital there, uh, they put an IV in his hand, and it became infected. And it almost killed him. He he developed staph. Yeah, and it almost killed him just from a uh, just from a an IV in his hand. And so, you know, that cleared up. And he went on to Arkansas with my sister, and he was just going to stay with her until his health improved a little bit, and he could move into his own house. And uh, yeah, he was up there, and and he he got pneumonia while he was up mm-hmm. there. And Went undetected. I think, I think that was part of the problem. They didn't realize that he had had pneumonia. Right. And so he was, you know, coughing. I think he was diagnosed with COPD. Mm-hmm. Uh, but things just weren't looking that great for him. And I sent him a text on uh, Thursday, September 26th. Pardon me, 27th. Thursday night. Yes. I sent him a text and I said, hey, uh, you know, just kind of gave him a rundown. Here's what's going on here. I hope you're all right. You know, I hope things are getting better for you. And he wrote back and he said, yeah, you know, this, we'll both pull through this. You know, you'll pull through, pull through what you're, what you guys are dealing with and I'll pull through this, you know, and, and we'll all be fine. And I said, okay, great. I love you. Love you too. And that was Thursday night. And, uh, so Friday went by, you know, and really didn't think of anything. Saturday morning, I wake up to a text from my sister saying, call me, dad passed away. And it's like, what? Yeah, it, it surprised everybody. Just shocked us. I mean, just boom, like that, gone. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was, if his heart it just gave out. I mean, there's no telling what. But, you know, in the middle of, uh, you know, in the middle of all this, my dad passed away. Um, one thing that, that we, I don't think we've said yet, uh, was due to the store closings, due to the mountain of debt, uh, due to the lawsuits and not being able to afford to defend ourselves. Uh, in July of this year, 2018, we had to file chapter 13 bankruptcy. It's so fun, y'all. If you've ever been through bankruptcy, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't... If you ever want to go sit in a room full of people of every color and every walk of life and be treated like a criminal, yeah. this is your place. That's man. right. I tell you what. And so we're dealing with that right now, too. <laughs> it is the biggest pain in the butt yeah. I've ever... And they're... Okay. It's... It, uh, 
it's again, you're dealing with the government. Yeah. And I don't care how they package it with that pretty red bow of this is protection. They are bullies. Yeah. But when you don't have a choice, you have to sit there and take it. Yeah. And we're not the type of people that are too good to go through this. Right. But I do have an ounce of pride left. Right. And to have our dirty laundry aired in front of people and theirs too, bless their heart. Right. They everything that we were, I mean, there were fifty people in there mm-hmm. the first time we went. Oh yeah. The, everything that they're going through is loudly spoken about where we can all hear it and everybody's listening. Yeah. I don't care if they're on their phones, they're all going, Good Lord, how'd they get that kind of debt? It was it's the most disgusting thing I've ever been through. Yeah. And we've put ourselves there. Yeah. Yeah, in, in three years, we've gone from being millionaires who gave away millions of dollars to completely broke and bankrupt. Yeah. And that's where we are right now. Yeah. And so that's why, I mean, we, we can't get any more real with you than that. We have nothing to hide now. No. I mean, we never did. No. But there's, you can't help someone if you don't tell a real story. Right. And we feel like we have been going through these things just to bring them to an audience right. that needs to hear real truth about people that have gone through this stuff. Yeah. Because you guys are going to have some of the same struggles that we've dealt with. Hopefully just one. Yeah, hopefully. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, whether it's addictions, whether it's deaths, whether it's finances... Um, whether it's all of it all yeah and that's again that's our that's our reason for doing this podcast because we feel like all the stuff that God has allowed us to go through the past 15 years is specifically for helping you guys like I told our whole family Rusty and the girls included if God didn't want this story told he wouldn't write this yeah I said it differently but it, it it's the same thing yeah so he's writing the story. We're having to live through it, mm-hmm. and the only way we've survived is faith. Oh yeah. I know this is going long. Oh, that's fine. But so do sermons. Yeah. And sometimes you just need to sit and listen. Yeah. But our faith before, but in two thousand three, I don't know that I had any. Yeah. Today. I have more than I thought I could ever have. We've got more faith than ever right now. Uh, We've got more trust than ever because we have no choice but to trust God. And I love you more. I know. And we we are closer as a couple. um, As a family unit? As a family unit. I mean, even though our, you know, the past 15 years has been a nightmare with stuff we've gone through. Something you don't want your kids to have to deal with. Right. But they have. But it's it's a tool that God has used to bring us closer together. And and closer to Him. Closer to Him. And a tool we can use to help other people that may be dealing with stuff we've dealt with before. Yeah. And that's our story. That's our story, yeah. Our story, it, it's long. Well, that, and that was the short that version. That was the very short version. Yeah, like that was I the said, notes version. There are a couple of these stories we are going to, well, three at least, yeah. we're going to pull out and do as a separate episode. Right. Like your addiction. Right. And number two's 
death right. and probably five or six episodes on finances. <laughs> we're experts on what not to do. Yeah. So we're going to do that because all of these things, and they are definitely trials, and they are definitely allowed by God. And there's a reason. Yes. And we've learned, we, we would like to think we've learned why. We've never asked that, but he shows us after each one. Right. That he had a purpose for everything we've gone through. Right. Right now, we're waiting on number, year number three of this this uh, financial stuff yeah. to finish. I'm hoping that quickly mm-hmm. we're pulled out of this and I can tell the bankruptcy court to kiss my rear. Yeah. Um, I really want to give him a piece of my mind. Oh, I know. Before it's over. I know. Okay. I know his name. Yeah, so do I. Yep. Um, but yeah, thanks for thanks for sticking around and listening to, to our story. Again, this is this is actually episode two. Episode three will be about communication. Yeah. And you'll see why it's the most important aspect of a marriage and a relationship. Yeah, but we just felt like we couldn't advance this podcast without giving you guys our story. We were driving to get the girls. I'm like, hey, y'all, we yeah. got to do something different. We've got to. We've, We've got, got to, to tell It everybody. doesn't make any sense. Right. Sequence-wise. So, look us up on Instagram to follow our... We're going to post fun things. family what I mean, I'm not going to show you my kids' faces. Yeah. But I'll show you the dogs. Yeah. And well, you know, it's just a fun place to, to get to know us a little more. Yeah, and you can also check out our website. It's the ringerpodcast.com. And Ringer is W-R. Instagram's the same. The Ringer yeah. Podcast. Don't forget the W. And we've also got on our website, theringerpodcast.com, we've got a contact page. And we would love to hear from you guys. If you have any suggestions or any questions, we probably have the answer. Mm-hmm. If not, we can send you somewhere that will have an answer. Or if you just want to say, hey. Yeah. You know, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, hey, we're listening we are, we are here for you guys. That's the reason we're doing this podcast. So go to our, our to, sorry, theringerpodcast.com. Go to our contact Fill out the message and send it to us, and we'll get it. He gets it on his phone. That's right. So, so we'll get it instant, instantly. And what else? Oh, I also have a closed Facebook page. It's, yes. It's closed because I don't want any haters. I want it to be civil and nice and clean. And if you have anything to discuss there, you're welcome to. Ask to join it. We'll look you over and add you if we think you're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> think you're going to be a good person. Yeah. But, uh, That's it. That's it, yeah. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Episode three coming in a week. Thanks.